0: From what's on to what matters. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. Joining me on the line now is the MP for Newcastle, Tim Crackenthorpe. We've got a few things to get through. Good morning and welcome, Tim.
1: Yeah, good morning, Tracy. Great to be with you.
0: Now, first off, I thought we'd start with uh, you dodged the COVID bullet for quite a while, but you ended up with it.
1: I ended up with it, along with most of the family, yes, so we were all locked down for a week, and uh, yeah, look, it knocked me round for three days pretty badly, but after that, um, yeah, got back to normal.
0: So tell me, what uh, what did it feel like when you say it knocked you about? Um, obviously, cough, cold, just feeling awful, what what were the general symptoms of, uh, uh, of it? Because there's so many varied symptoms, depending on how old you are, what your health's like, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, look, it came on pretty quickly. I mean, I was all set to go to the farmer's market and do a stall, actually, and um, uh, and I just felt quite ill and, uh, you know, very flu-y and runny nose and coffee, And so, yeah, I, I did a quick test, and I couldn't believe the results, so I did another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I drove down uh, and did the proper test and, um, yeah, just shut myself up. And, yeah, just the next three days, like a really, really bad cold and yeah. flu and then quite... Um, Tired and lethargic over the next sort of seven days or so, but um yeah, straight after that down to Parliament. So uh, yeah, you can't um, can't be too tired down there, and I'm I'm back at 100%. So. Oh, that's good. That it, is good. But, you know, my youngest daughter, she's 10. Look, you know, she didn't even blink. She thought it was a, a bit of a holiday with Mum and Dad. She was, you know, come out and bounce on the trampoline and have fun, Dad. Oh, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm no. Fine,
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit like the new pregnancy test, isn't it? You get those two lines and you go, no, 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 that's not true. No, 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 it can't, oh, be. It can't be. Let's do it again.
1: <laughs> oh, I would think so,
0: Yeah. <laughs> now you know how us girls feel. Now, look, oh, we God. do have some fun going on at the moment uh, with a few air is. Number one is uh, these new uh, trains that have been mothballed for about uh, two years now, um, Damien, Damien Tudhope issued a media statement on uh, over the weekend saying that they're safe, they're world-class trains, that they'll enormously improve experience. The union still believes that they're not safe. And on the same day that he issued that, uh, that media statement, the state's transport agency indicated that changes could be made to the mothballed fleet. Where the hell are we up to?
1: well the right hand certainly not uh, talking to the left hand here and that's very evident from uh, mm. that yeah disconnect look uh look it's, it's an absolute disgrace because it's costing rate right, uh taxpayers 30 million dollars a month to keep these trains uh in storage now Yeah, there have been concerns for a long period of time. And the previous Transport Minister, uh, Constance, he wasn't too keen to progress this issue and negotiate. Uh, Minister Elliott, the new Transport Minister, he has been uh, progressing with the union. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we get these other two ministers uh, stepping in and blowing the whole issue up. And, you know, it would appear it's just another attempt by the government to cause chaos across... The train network for their own political purposes. Uh, I mean, if they're trying to provoke a dispute, this is a good way to go mm. about it. I mean, these guards and the train drivers have serious safety issues. Uh, you know, trains that don't properly fit the platforms, uh, potentially operated by undertrained and underqualified crew. And quite simply, the current cameras uh, aren't, aren't adequate. Like, they can't see people. Uh, when they're inside this cabin, uh, when the train's about to take off. Now, if you've got someone half in or half out of a train, uh, they'll get caught and get dragged along and potentially die.
0: It's just horrendous. And when you think about, uh, you know, this fleet is worth $2.8 billion, Tim. Imagine if that had have been brought to Newcastle. We are known for our trains. We have built some amazing trains over many decades. We really do need to start shouting and screaming and build these things back here in Australia where we know what's required. We know what the size of the platforms are. And it's $2.8 billion that could have gone into the local Newcastle community. Oh, well, absolutely,
1: Tracy, And the multiplier effect of that money, you know, throughout the economy through uh, just simply, you know, the number of components and all the other multiple manufacturers that feed into that train manufacturer, you know, all the way down to, you know, all the you know, thousands of workers simply going to the corner shops, getting lunches and, you know, everything mm. else associated with it. It's just absolutely incredible. And, you know, the cost has blown out. And, uh, you know, for this cost saving to have it built overseas it could have been built here at the same same price or even cheaper in Mm. fact and here we are and we've had the same issue with the ferries the ferries you know we've got ferries that are built in newcastle that are still operating in sydney on the harbour yet the new ones the windscreens are smashing as they go across uh to manly and uh you know they're riddled with asbestos and they've got to be refit and they cost more i mean it's it beggars belief so yeah, we'll certainly be moving forward to the election next year with policy on making things here.
0: Surely COVID has shown us that we need to be self-sufficient. We need to stop relying on China. We need to build things back here. Because when the you-know-what hits the fan, our economy suffers so, so significantly because we don't make anything anymore.
1: Absolutely, yeah. COVID has shown us that. I mean, we need to be more self-sufficient. Uh, yeah, um, If things are built here, we can fix them here mm-hmm. so easily. I mean, you know, I was out at um, UGL... Oh, oh, I was at a local train manufacturer not mm-hmm. recently, and in terms of their maintenance, they're fixing up a whole lot of coal wagons that were manufactured overseas, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of cracks in them, and, you know, that's... <laughs> It's good for the local business Mm -hmm. fixing them, but uh, by jeez, it's cost them a lot, Mm -hmm. and they should have been fixed and built properly yeah. uh, originally.
0: Australia is just a very different climate. What we do with our trains, the, the terrain that our, our trains operate on, it's very very different to uh, to China or to Europe. Now the other one that I wanted to have a, uh, a chat with you about is uh, obviously the Cambridge. Now I know that uh, you and the Newcastle Task, Music Task Force, you uh, all joined together last week to, uh, to start a petition to call on Link City to have some discussions around saving the Cambridge. Now I understand My question that I keep asking everybody is, what's the developer saying? You spoke to the developer on Friday, I understand.
1: Well, that's right. We've got uh, three levels of government, Uh, the Deputy Lord Mayor and um, Sharon Claydon, the Federal Member, myself. We all sat down with the developer and, you know, we put a very strong uh, case to the developer on the community sentiment to keep the Cambridge, to save it, to, you know, have it in with the same, in with their development. I mean, you know, you got five hundred students there. Uh, you know, when I went to university, it was you know, you'd love to listen to music and go out. And they're coming into the city to mm-hmm. get that amenity. They're not coming into the city to have a quiet time. You know, they, they yeah, they're students. This is the time. So you know, we tried to put the case that it, it's absolutely something that would fit in with their development, as opposed to not. Uh, we, we had a very robust conversation and you know, we're asking them to take all our thoughts into consideration and come back to us.
0: It makes sense, doesn't it, Tim? I mean, uh, it's ready-made rent. The the Cambridge is sitting there; it's already a tenant. Um, build around it, build build up, and uh, and as you say, you've got a ready-made audience for that Cambridge hotel. But it's not only the ready-made you know, um, audience; it's the lack of opportunity, isn't it? That uh, I'm not sure about you, but uh, you're the same generation as me. So, but you know, like we went and saw uh, the Screaming Jets there. We saw Noise Works there. You know, we saw Innocent Criminals before they became the Screaming Jets. You know, the um, Silver chair, I mean. Um, We saw all of these guys there. You know, that's how they came through. That's how we began our love of live music. It could be such an opportunity for Link City to really show that they're part of this community.
1: Absolutely, and yep, we put that to them as well. I mean, this is a venue that's known throughout all of Australia. It's uh, uh, what's known, you know, by bands that want to get to the next level. They know that if they can play at the Cambridge, you know, that's that's notches on their belt, and they can go to other bigger venues. And say, we played at the Cambridge. Plus, you know, there isn't a venue of that size in Newcastle. Yeah. That is like a very important. Uh, size and niche. That if it goes, it goes. Mm. There will be nothing to replace it. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's been nurturing local talent, as you said, for so so long, and uh, you yeah, know, an enormous number of live shows, uh, huge amount of direct staff wages, artist payments, you know, local wages. Patron visitations mm. are huge. It's all nurturing good local business. It'd be devastating to see it go.
0: Are you confident that uh, they're going to take your thoughts away and uh, and really make a concerted effort? How, like how much chance do we actually have of this uh, this being successful?
1: Well, look, you know, we put a very strong case to them, very firmly. You know, had a robust conversation. We hope they take what we've said into consideration. Uh, if they don't, you know, they'll proceed. There is the a pre mm. DA. Stage with council, uh, they'll have further discussions with council, and then you know, they'll put an application into the joint regional planning panel. So that is another opportunity for us to lobby those that um, have the votes mm. and uh, make the decisions. I mean, they recently rejected the new car co- or well, the basketball stadium, yeah, uh, yeah a twenty-five million dollar project. So um, you know, they are independent; they do make decisions based on. The information provided before them and hopefully you yeah, know if it comes to that we can play them
0: as well. Look, fingers crossed, because we can't lose the Cambridge. We can't let it go the way the Palais went. Uh, you know, we, I know we love our KFC here in Newcastle and the Hunter, but man, we miss the Palais, <laughs> and, and we can't let that happen to the Cambridge as well. Now, the final thing I want to talk to you about, uh, Tim, is Newcastle Transport. Now, I, uh, I watched with great interest the presentation by yourself, uh, Yasmin Catley and Jody Harrison to the... Uh, the uh, committee around you know, privatisation of Sydney's transport system, you know the, the issues that we have here in Newcastle and the Hunter, the fact that nobody seems to listen. But they're going to hold an, a travel experience day, which is an opportunity to practise getting off and on buses, ferries and light rail. That's all wonderful to help us practise. But hey, how about you listen to us?
1: I couldn't agree more, Tracy. I mean, you know, the privatisation of buses really has been devastating, you know, we've talked about this to so mm. many people in our community, vulnerable people, you know, those that are less able, those that are older, those that, you know, purchase houses on bus routes because they can't drive cars and then the, you know, the bus stop outside the house disappears and the quality of life is so different. Uh, yeah, look, <laughs> you're right, there's a you know, there's transport accessibility um, event on Thursday mm-hmm. from 10 to 12, and uh, yeah, that's well and good, but we really do need uh, private operators to listen to the community, to listen to the community leaders, and yeah, that's what that's what needs to happen and then we can have a bus service that meets the needs of the people not Mm. the needs of the dollar
0: do you think that that the message actually got through i mean i as i said i watched it and uh there was a lot of political point scoring going on which wasn't what the aim of that that talk was um you know it was totally missed the point you know asking asking you know if you you guys had spoken to uh to access industries and, you know, it got down into the nitty gritty. It didn't understand the full concept of, of what the problem is up here. That seems to be a very Sydney centric problem. And uh, it just, if, it, if they don't start to listen, it's only going to make the transport system up here worse.
1: It certainly will make it worse. I mean, the general public is not interested in political point scoring, they just want a good bus service uh, that's efficient, that's clean, and it's safe. We had an enormous amount of bus services cut. We had bus services that were direct turned into three different bus uh, connections. You know, it's no wonder they're having a a session on how to get on Mm. and off buses because, by jeez, people have to get on and off so many buses now. Uh, just to get to one placement before they just gone on at once. Mm. So it really doesn't meet the needs of the community at this point, and the government really needs to make sure it does. And, yeah, it's disappointing that they want to make political points when uh, all the community wants is a good bus service.
0: Hmm. It's not that much to ask. Look, thanks so much for your time, Tim. I really appreciate it. And uh, I must admit, I am very, very pleased that we're into the last five days of this federal election. I cannot wait till it's over. (laughs) I'm not sure about you guys, but uh, yes, it's time for it to be finished and gone, but no doubt you'll be out there on Saturday.
1: Absolutely, Tracy. Yeah, I'm, you know, helping out where I can on weekends and uh, other times. And uh, yeah, it just dominates the media, there's no doubt. And I think people are... uh, well and truly ready to vote, mm. and for those that aren't, hopefully we can convince them in this last week. But um, yes, certainly been uh, overload and um, very intense.
0: Very intense. You have a lovely week. Uh, best of luck with it all, and uh, and enjoy your uh, enjoy your Saturday out in the sun, won't you? I
1: certainly will, Tracy. Thanks, Tim. I
0: appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. That is Tim Crackenthorpe, who is the State MP for Newcastle. Quite a bit gone through in that chat, but uh, obviously the Cambridge is a big issue for uh, for many of us, and especially here at Newcastle Live. We are huge supporters of live and local music, and we cannot afford to lose another venue. Yo, it's Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live.